Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Reason Why Fishing Podcast. Now, this fishing podcast is unlike any other. It's more of an interview-based or a conversation-based fishing podcast where we talk about all different types of fishing and more specifically fishing that is catered towards the guests that we'll have on and what their expertise actually is. So the reason why fitness podcast, the reason why it's called the reason why fishing podcast, I know I've said reason quite a lot already, is basically just to ask them and have a conversation with them. Why do they fish? Why have they got this passion for fishing and have this hobby for fishing? We're going to be talking about the first memory of their fishing, the first fish they've ever caught, their first legal fish, some target fish, a favorite fishing destination, some favorite lures maybe, maybe some scary incidents incidents, or things that they've learned and maybe a tip that they, they can give us throughout this podcast. So hope you all enjoy as we go through. So to start the first episode, I thought I'd talk about the reason why I fish and sort of, I guess, interview myself. And then we can go on to some other people as we go through each episode. So the reason why, the reason why I fish, I fished since I was probably three or four years old. As soon as I could hold a fishing rod, I was basically hooked per se uh, from the start there. My first memory of fishing was down in Churros Lake. Now my cousins on my dad's side, they had a, uh, a holiday house down on Churros and they had a boat as well. And we used to go down there and holiday. My first memory was me refusing, blatantly refusing to get onto the boat and to go out and have a fish because I was too scared that boat would sink. But this story has quite a positive turn and sort of started my obsession with fishing. Eventually, I was dragged onto the boat with my dad and we went out for a fish. He put a bait on my hook and I caught my first fish ever. And since then, it was an addiction that I just can't get rid of. That day, I managed to catch 26 fish, and I still remember how many fish I caught to this day. And I just remember reeling in fish after fish. Now, they weren't the biggest fish in the world, nor were they the biggest legal fish in the world either, but it was just an absolute blast that I had over those, uh, those couple of hours out in the boat. And since then, it's become from a hobby to a passion and something that I basically revolved my whole life around. My first legal fish. Now my first legal fish would have been a flathead. And the, my only memory of my first legal fish was a flathead that I caught on a lure when I was a teenager. I sort of started taking up lure fishing and getting on a train and going to different parts of Sydney and learning to lure fish and get off on different train stops wherever it was close to water and I would just go fish for hours and hours during the school holidays. Now I bought a couple of packets of squidgies back in the day. This is probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 years ago now and decided I'd throw a couple of squidgies around near my dad's work actually. And that day I ended up with five or six legal flathead and we had quite a, quite a feed for dinner that night and I was quite proud of myself catching that many legal flathead and using all the knowledge that I had had over the last couple of years to sort of catch the fish that I uh, really enjoyed doing. 
so that that was my first sort of memory of fishing and my first legal fish. I'm pretty sure I've caught a legal fish before the age of 13 since I've been fishing since I was three. But my first memory, the, only, the longest memory I have is of that day where I was soft plastic fishing and I was catching a heap of flathead that day. Another sort of segment that we go through is talk about some target fish and talk about what we enjoy targeting. At the moment, it sort of goes seasonal for me. During the summer, I really enjoy targeting kingfish, all the pelagics, but I also really enjoy going offshore and smacking a few sand flathead for dinner and uh, getting a heap of squid during the summer because I find them really easy and quick to catch. So if I only have a couple hours, I generally head out to try and get some flathead and some squid for dinner. But I also really enjoy during the winter targeting things like salmon. And something that's really taken up a passion over the last couple of months is uh, snapper. Now, although I haven't caught the greatest snapper in the world or the biggest snapper in the world at all, my personal vest is probably only 35 centimeters, which is just over a kilo. Um, I'm really enjoying the hunt and I'm really enjoying trying to catch them and trying to figure out a way, whether it's moon phase, tides, early morning, late afternoon, during the day, whether they're on reef, they're on gravel beds, whatever it is, I'm really enjoying trying to figure it out at the moment. Um, so if you have any helpful tips to catch snapper, especially around the Cronulla and Botany Bay area where I live, that would be a blessing, an absolute blessing in disguise, let's be honest, because I think the last three trips that I've had, I've caught a total of 10 snapper and probably one just legal. So I know I'm finding all the little ones, but I'm not finding the big ones at all. Another one is talking about our favorite fishing destinations. Now, my favorite fishing destination, I have a heap of sort of bucket list fishing destinations that I would love to go and visit. So Exmouth being the number one that I'd love to go visit. I've uh, I've been wanting to visit that for quite a long time. And last year we're actually meant to go, but uh, unfortunately during COVID we couldn't fly over. So we had to cancel our flights and stuff and we used our flights to go other places instead. So my bucket list, the top of my bucket list would be definitely to go to Exmouth and fish for big GTs, sails, pelagics, tuna, you name them all. They're all over there. Some fish that I dream to catch and some fish I haven't actually even seen in real life. I've only seen them on videos. But my favorite fishing destination that I've been to, I don't know, 15, 20 times now is on the south coast. I really enjoy Lake Njola and the Ulladulla region. I go down there almost once every two months, once every season for quite a few days, probably three to five days, and just fish every single day. The fishing down there throughout the whole period of time is just off tap. Even during the winter, it's so good. Apparently, the snapper fishing is really good down there. Whenever I've gone offshore during the winter over there, I've only targeted flathead because I know where they are and I know I can smack them. I've never really been brave enough to go for snapper, but that's uh, that's on the cards to try and catch a few on the south coast because certainly there's some places down there that are renowned for that. Um, within the lake system there, I really, really enjoy Lake Conjola, Jervis Bay, Boreal Lake, Lake Tabari, all of them, 
all of them fish really well and all of them serve a great purpose. Lake Tiberi is one of the best prawning spots you can ever have during summer. As soon as October and September, probably I'll probably go a month earlier this year. I went October last year. This year I'll probably head down in September around the new moon and see if I can't smack a few prawns at Lake Tiberi. Um, you go there during the night and you wait around with your light on and you got your prawn net and it's an absolute blast because the prawns down there are quite big compared to say Lake Illawarra where I've where I've caught prawns before. So that's Tabari, and then you got Boreal Lake, which is a bit further north of that. It's sort of the next one. It's a really clear system. It's been open to the ocean for the last twenty years, roughly. Um, so it's probably one of the better fishing rivers to go around that sort of system because it's been open to the ocean for so long. It's been it's a lot more consistent in its catches. Um, so I really enjoy Boreal Lake. I find it really hard though at times to find the flathead and find really good groups of flathead. I find them quite sporadic. You know, I might catch one in one spot and I might move a couple of hundred meters down and then I'll catch another one, move another couple of hundred meters, I'll catch another one. So they're sort of spread out a lot more. And I haven't been able to target them in specific areas and sort of be able to really work that out. But still, it's a very, very consistent uh, fishery and somewhere that I <clears throat> would recommend that everyone go to. The next one is Lake Anjola. Lake Anjola is my favorite spot to holiday. It is the most beautiful place in the world, whether it be the actual lake to go swimming and fishing in the lake or whether it's up at the beach to go for surf fishing or just go for a swim. The whole town and suburb is one of the best suburbs you'll ever go. Now, unfortunately, I was there at the uh, the start of 2020 when the bushfires went through. And luckily enough, my friends and people that I know there were quite lucky in regards to their houses were saved. But they also knew a lot of people that had lost their lives or had lost even their houses as well. So... To see that and see that happening to that community was quite a sad and tragic thing. But they are stronger than ever. I went and saw, well, I've been back probably five or six times since then. And the community is just getting stronger and stronger with every single day. So big, um, big congratulations to them in regards to how they've overcome that scary time in their life. But back to the fishing, what we're talking about. The fishing in Lake Anjola is as phenomenal as Boreal. The only trick with Lake Anjola, you sort of got to know the spots. You got to know where they are, when they'll bite, in what situations, because it can feel like a big, vast land where there isn't much fish, especially if you go out to the main part of the lake and you just drop straight to the bottom in 30 metres of water. You're not going to catch much there. You've got to find the drop-offs. You've got to find the shallow, clear areas where the big whiting are, the shallow areas that are a little bit dirty where the flathead will be lurking around. The big drop-off to the main part of the lake is renowned for big flathead. All the edges there, all the rocky edges, hold brim, tailor, flathead again. And then if you go all the way up the, the arm into fash, the fash, fisherman's paradise, I should say, there's some great snag fishing up there. Estuary perch, brim, again, flathead all up through there and it's a really really amazing way especially if the wind's up it's really really special um because fisherman's paradise the either side of the bank is probably 
30 meters, you could cast to either side of the bank. And uh, to, to get through that in a little tinny and an electric motor is, uh, yeah, it's really cool to do. So that's within the lake. And as you head up towards the front of the lake, it gets really shallow. So if you go onto Google Maps and have a look, it gets really shallow once you're off that main part of the lake. And there's some really good fishing through there and some really big whiting that uh, roll through there. And if you get them at the right time when they want to feed, and generally they're feeding on beach worms or nippers, sometimes you can get them on poppers. I haven't been as successful on poppers as I have been on nippers and blood worms. It's not for a lack of trying. I've, I've spent many hours out there trying to get them on poppers, but they just seem to scare off from them. And I've used all different colors, all different size leaders. I've tried it all. Um, and I just don't think it's it was the right time. Every time I've been out there, I haven't found that magic moment where they were just ready to smack them. But on on things like nippers and bloodworms and prawns, it they just smack it in that shallow water. My personal best whiting has come out of that system. It's 46 centimetres. And uh, Dad, if you're listening to this, it's the exact same size as the one that you caught a couple of years earlier uh, when we first went to that destination when we first went to Lake Conjola. I remember myself and dad, we sort of, we had a trip. I was about 18, 19 then, and I sort of finished school and dad, dad had a bit of time off. So we decided we'd just pack the car up and we'd sleep in the car for a couple of days and just drive down the coast and see where we would stop. And we, all we would do is fish all day, pump for bait, get nippers and just fish up and down the coast. We went all the way down to Naruma. And then we came all the way back up and on our way down, we went past the place called Lake and Joel and we're like, oh, it just must be a freshwater lake or, you know, somewhere where wakeboarders and people go just to hang out. There wouldn't be any fish there. And so we drove past it. We went to Ulladulla. We went to all the big, the bigger areas and stuff like that for people who really don't know much about the South Coast. And then we went all the way down to the room and we decided we'd come back up and we'd try and get back to Sydney in a day which is gettable, it's about four and a half hours, but we were looking to stop a few times and try and have a fish and really enjoy that last day. Anyway, the first couple of spots that we stopped at really didn't produce a lot of fish. And we decided we'd just go, we'd pull into Lake Conjola. It was really our last hurrah for the afternoon. It was a beautiful summer's afternoon. And obviously we had daylight saving, so the the sun was out for ages till about 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And we got there and we fished the afternoon out at the front there. So as you're going to Lake Anjola and you go right up to the front where the beach car park is, there's a little wharf that you can fish off. Well, a lot of people um, jump and swim off it too. There's a little wharf we can fish off. And we had one of the best afternoons fishing ever there. We caught a heap of whiting, a heap of flathead, brim, tailor, large drink, whatever it was, they were just biting on on the uh, on the nippers that we had that afternoon, that's where Dad caught his personal best. I caught mine a little bit closer to the beach, um, but it was within the same area, only a couple of hundred meters away. And if you you ever walk through that system, and when it's really clear, so it's just been opened up to the ocean, say ten to twelve months ago, it just got opened up to the ocean, and the fresh, clear ocean water is coming through, and it's making it so clear you can see the massive whiting that is in there. And it's a, yeah, it's a very, very special place. You can see why I really enjoy it because it's not just the lake fishing. You've got offshore fishing. You can, 
if you're brave enough, and I'm certainly not, and you've got the right conditions, and even in the right conditions, I don't really want to do it. People can launch from inside the lake at Conjola there and go through the bar and push out offshore. Or the much safer and my personal option, you go down to Aladala boat ramp and you just launch off there and then you turn left and it's about three kilometres as the crow flies to get off the beach of Lake Conjola there and you've got access to all the best fishing offshore that you could ever have. I had a, last time I went down there, myself and my partner, we had a we had a fishing session down there offshore, just off the beach at Lake Conjola there, and it was nonstop action. It's um, actually up on my YouTube channel, on my Learn Six Fishing YouTube channel, um, where I caught an actual I actually caught a flathead without using a rod or reel. I actually used a net. I caught it with a net, and it's uh, something to behold. So head over there if you want to watch that episode because that was a uh, an absolute blast. Then you've got the beach at Lake Conjola and you've got Green Island. Now, Green Island's renowned for its snapper fishing, especially land-based. If you can get up there in the right conditions and the right swell and all that, the uh, snapper fishing off that reef there is pretty phenomenal. And I've uh, I've dove that reef, I've dived that reef and snorkeled it for many years and seen a lot of different reef species. And a couple of snapper, they sort of scurry off when you're diving and they're quite hard to see. If you are, if you know where they are, you sort of can figure out and see them. Just they're always just hanging just outside your vision all the time. Um, but yeah, the beach is phenomenal for its beach, beach fishing. I've been there many a times and caught brim close to two kilos and whiting, really, really big whiting, big tailor salmon. Jewfish has been known to be caught off there. I know someone who uh, lives there. And has retired in Lake and Jolly, and he's, he smashes the jewfish on the beach there almost every afternoon. He just knows when it, when they're going to bite, and he goes there every single time and absolutely smashes them. And it's uh, it's an impressive, impressive part of Australia, that south coast. Pretty much from Jervis Bay all the way down to Lake Tiberi, which is the southern point that we're talking about. During the summer months, that is one of the best places to holiday and also one of the best places to go for fish. During the winter, you get you can smack the snapper there. It's renowned for its snapper fishing. Um, you've just got to, like I said before, I sort of struggle. I am struggling with my snapper fishing at the moment. But we'll figure it out and we'll get better at it. No stress at all. The next sort of thing we want to talk about is some lures that we use. And what's, what's our favorite lures? So my personal favorite lures, I really enjoy soft plastic lures. I actually became that obsessed with soft plastic fishing that I actually started making and creating my own soft plastics. You can buy like molds, like hand pour molds. So you get the plastisol, which when you heat up becomes like this really liquid and then you pour it into this sort of cast. And then once it hardens up, it actually makes a soft plastic wool that you can use. It's a really cheap way. And as a teenager, I spent probably 200 to $250 on the setup plastisol the jug, a microwave, um, the molds and everything like that just to get you know, myself going with it. And it was the best thing I ever did because I sort of worked out on how much one lure would cost me to make versus a packet of eight that let's say these day and age, I, I bought a packet of plastics that had 10 in it and it cost me $10. So basically a dollar a lure. The hand-pulled soft plastics, I would have cost me 
less than five cents to make per lure and I would have made almost into the thousands now um, hand pouring lures and I don't think I'll ever go back for soft plastic because they do just as well as the ones that you can buy from the shop. Trust me, when I first started, I was a squidgy person. I was using Berkeley soft plastics and I was loving it because you could just buy them off the shelf, use them. But being a young teenager, my bank account wasn't the uh, biggest in the world. And so I had to figure out a cost-effective way to do it. And making your own plastics is probably one of the coolest things you can do to make a plastic, pick a color, put the color in, get some glitter, put the glitter in and actually make your own and then go out and use it and catch fish with it consistently and almost, well, sorry, not almost, just as good as the main brands is just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So favorite lures, I love Wrigglers, about the seven, seven to eight centimeter Wrigglers. My favorite lure is a pink Wriggler style. So it's got a big curly tail on it and it's sort of like a bait fish profile. Um, and I use it in pink. Now, one of my friends a couple of years back told me that pink is the best for flathead and uh, I'm going to say he's right because over the last couple of years, I've smacked the flathead on the pink. And I've used other colors. I've used whites and natural browns and greens and stuff like that. And I always go back to the pink. I don't know whether it's my personal confidence in it, but... Yeah, the pink color smacks them. The white color does pretty well as as well when the pink's not really working, but I uh, it's pretty hard for me to get a pink regular style soft plastic off my rod and reel and off the line when I'm uh, when I'm out fishing. Some other things like some scary instances incidences or some worse weather or the biggest mistake while fishing. These are sort of things that we'll be talking about with our guests coming up and I sort of go through my personal incidents or some weather that I've been through that's quite uh, quite bad. Some scariest incidents, I uh, I used to have a two-man canoe, a little fiberglass, like Canadian-style two-man canoe, and me and my best mate thought it'd be a good idea to go out in 30-plus kilometre winds and rain and into the river and basically a couple hundred metres off the uh, – off the off the shore there we capsized pretty quickly and we lost we didn't lose the boat i managed to hold on to the boat and swim back but we lost a lot of fishing gear we lost phones we lost keys and pretty much everything else that wasn't still in that boat we pretty much lost a lot of tackle and everything like that. so that was the probably the scariest incident i've ever had while fishing i've been out in big seas and in a small boat and stuff like that. It is scary, but if you sort of know what you're doing and you know how to get back safely, it's not as scary as what it seems to be, but definitely capsizing that canoe on that day. Oh, on a side note to that, he uh, he had just bought a nearly $200 new fishing setup that morning, and that's why we were going to head out because he wanted to try the new rod. And without even casting it, it's sunk to the bottom. It's probably still on the bottom now, about 10 years later, full of, uh, full of crustaceans and probably too old to even try and find. So that's one of the biggest or the scariest incidents that I've ever had. Some big mistakes while fishing. I've, I've had plenty. Oh, I've had plenty of mistakes while fishing. I've left bungs out of my boat, come back and my boat's half full once I've 
park my car. I actually had one time in the boat that I have now, probably the second time I used it, myself and my partner were going out for a fish and uh, I dropped her off in the boat and told her just to drive around for a little bit and I uh, drove my car back up and parked it and literally turned around and noticed that the boat was half full and of course she didn't have a clue what a bung was and how to put it in so she did really well by driving it very carefully into the dock and then I quickly jumped in the water, put the bungs in and turned the bilge pump on and about 20 minutes later we were pretty we're pretty ready to go to go fishing, but that was a uh, one of the biggest mistakes I've ever had while fishing. It I thought it would have stopped Taryn, my partner, from fishing, but she uh, she definitely soldiered on and kept going. Some tips. It's getting towards the end of end of this podcast, but I thought I'd just leave you with some tips if you want to target certain species. Now, my biggest tip is fresh bait especially during the winter. I love fishing my plastics and stuff like that during the summer. And I do use plastics and lures a lot during the winter, but I always make sure I have bait as a backup during the winter, especially because the bite seems to slow down a lot with plastics and it can be quite a tough way to fish. And if you want to catch some fish and keep that going and try and be a bit more consistent throughout the winter, fresh bait is best, whether that be fresh squid, whether you buy it from a, a fish shop, as long as it's not frozen, you got make Max Bait Bar down the road in, in Sydney. That's a great one that has fresh bait. Or you go catch your own squid and chop them up and have them for bait. You, you can still get your nippers. You can still get your blood worms um, here in Sydney or anywhere else throughout the, Australia. They're the really big ones that I'm, I want to talk about in regards to winter because everyone's out winter fishing at the moment. And everyone's going, oh, it's winter time. The fish aren't really biting. Well, trust me, you target certain species and you target certain times. You can have one of some of the best fishing you can ever have. Like salmon, when salmon are biting around that new moon and they're absolutely smacking those little eyes, little eyes are probably four centimeters long. They're not the biggest baits in the world. And if you can find a lure that's that small, I normally use little vibes. Uh, little savage vibes are only about one sixth of an ounce. They're really, really tiny, three or four centimeters. And if they're busting up on the surface, I cast that vibe as far as I can. And as soon as it hits the water, it gets smacked because it's so similar to the bait sizes that they're eating. So if you find some salmon working off a beach or in the river during winter, try and match the hatch as best as you can and to see if you can't have some success. So that's my tip for this week and uh i hope you all enjoyed the first episode the next episodes we'll have a few guests on and we'll have conversations about different types of fishing and different methods for targeting certain fish it won't necessarily be as structured or it won't be as segmented as this we sort of go with the flow and see see what we want to do in regards to that so you can find this podcast on all the all the different podcast platforms, that's including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of those podcast platforms that you have. You can also watch the video version. I'm looking at the camera right now. The uh, The video version is uploaded on my YouTube channel, uh, Lunatics Fishing. So if you search Lunatics Fishing on uh, YouTube, that's L-U-N-A-T-I-C-S, Fishing, Lunatics Fishing on YouTube. And you can watch the video version of this podcast. And... Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the first episode of the Reason Why Fishing Podcast. 
Um, subscribe on all the podcast podcast platforms so you're notified when the next episode is going to go up. And you guys have a great day. See ya.